0: Now, today on the show, we have an amazing near-death experiencer by the name of Natalie Sudman, and Natalie wrote the book Application of Impossible Things, My Near-Death Experience in Iraq, and she was killed with a roadside bomb before she came back, and her story of her near-death experience is quite moving, and the pain that she went through on her body and what she had to deal with when she came back is heroic in its own right and inspirational so let's dive in i'd like to welcome to the show natalie sudman how you doing natalie
1: i'm doing well alex thanks for having me
0: Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm 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 excited to hear about your uh, it, it was fairly boring journey in life uh that you've had so far. Uh, <laughs> your um your NDE is I've, I've, I've had a lot of NDEs or NDEers on the show, and everyone's unique. Everyone has a very mm-hmm. unique story, but yours is one I haven't heard before. Uh and it was very I, I won't get into the details because you'll get into those. But my first question is. What was your life like prior to your near-death experience?
1: Oh, um, that's a big question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty normal. I grew up in suburban Minneapolis area and um, went to you know went to college and went to grad school for art. And uh, I was working as an archaeologist before I went over to Iraq.
0: So you were Indiana Jones essentially. You were a female Indiana Jones, basically. Did you have oh, a
1: whip? I, w- <laughs> I wish archaeology was that exciting.
0: <laughs> and, the archaeology, and the archaeologists I talked to, they're like, "Yeah, that's it's a lot of yeah. lot of dust, a lot of brushing Ugh. off."
1: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do uh, the digging, luckily, because I don't like to dig. Okay, so <laughs> it's you did a lot, lot of dust and heat <laughs> and cold. Yeah, I walked a lot. I did a lot of surface survey. So I got uh, to. I used to say, "Oh, I get paid to." Just walk around and look for cool stuff which is a pretty good job <laughs> very cool um so then when you went to Iraq let me ask you
0: before we get to your NDD what was your experience like in Iraq and what were you doing in Iraq
1: I was a civilian employee of the US Army Corps of Engineers mm-hmm. and I was hired to be a um, construction representative which basically means kind of babysitting construction contracts um, doing the administration that's required of those and also um, going out to the sites and checking them over I had luckily four um, really fabulous Iraqi engineers who knew exactly what they were doing and they were my eyes and ears in the field largely and they really kept track of the projects day to day in the field and then I would go out maybe once a week and check the different projects. And what, so, was your, and
0: what was your experience like when you were there?
1: Um, such a, another such a big Large. question. <laughs> yeah, really big question. I like I liked being over there. It was fascinating to me. It was, um, you know, of course, there's all the all the horrors of war and all the stupidity of killing each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's there's no way to justify that. And yet there's also really sublime moments within that. And it was, I just am fascinated by kind of um, microcosms of, of the world. You know, I'm interested in, I don't know, um, there's little, you know, there's little Um, odd quirky um, little worlds within the world like there's a whole world of professional Scrabble players and there's (laughs) um, I don't know you know those kinds of odd little corners of the world are fascinating to me. Subcultures Yeah. yeah. Yeah they're they are they're joyful to me And they really are somehow um, little um, odd microcosms that contain all kind of everything about life and about humanity, but in a very kind of small world that is maybe more manageable and often easier to easier to find some affection and humor for. You know, sometimes the big world is overwhelming. And especially lately, a lot of the news we get is negative news or difficult news or fearful news. And sometimes it's easier to concentrate on a smaller world and really um, be able to find the joy and the beauty, which is also available in the big world, but sometimes not as easy to find maybe.
0: So before you before the NDE were you a very spiritual or religious person?
1: Um I grew up in a church in a Presbyterian church and I kind of just wandered away from that in my 20s and I've always been interested in psychic things, psychic phenomena. I remember even as a little tiny kid like maybe four years old sitting in church and staring at someone and thinking scratch your ear scratch your ear scratch your ear until they would scratch their ear so I mean I played around with stuff ever since I was a little I would have dreams that and then they would later happen and things like that I kind of got more serious about it in my 30s um maybe 10 years before I went to Iraq
0: it's interesting that a mind of an archaeologist, which is a little bit more analytical, uh, I'm assuming, you know, so that there's the, a the different part of your brain, the left side of your brain, versus the the right side or the more, for better lack of a better word, woo woo uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's interesting to see that even before your NDE, you had that kind of two sides to your world.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I think that. I think that that split is artificial. I think that we all we all use our whole awareness. Um, I think that there are some people who maybe lean more toward analytics, but even scientists and engineers require creative intelligence to do what they do, to make connections and um, to to analyze things that maybe seem disparate or, you know, we all, we all do better using both, both those, uh, halves of Uh, that artificial split.
0: Yeah. Einstein, I mean, used to go play, I think violin to go figure out Mm -hmm. some complex math. So yes, there's no, no question about it. So, Mm -hmm. so you're over in Iraq. Uh, It's it's a lovely day. You're rolling around in a truck. Mm -hmm. Tell us what happened.
1: Yeah. So um, when we went outside camp outside the wire, we would travel in an armed convoy. So on this day, we had, I had two colleagues with me, or maybe it was, no, we had three colleagues with me, and only two of us could travel in one vehicle because we also had a driver and a guard in each truck. So we had a four vehicle convoy. We had a a, a lead truck uh, and the two principal trucks with all of us, Corps of Engineers people in it, and a gun truck in back. And we had, visited a few um construction sites and we had uh, it was the end of the day we had, had been a long day so i was kind of leaning my head on the door handle half asleep and the um our vehicle hit an improvised explosive device in the road and um the the instant that, or maybe before, I don't know, <laughs> the instant that it exploded, I'd, I left my body.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor.
1: And now back to the show. And um, the... The book that I wrote goes into a lot of detail about um, my perceptions of my experiences, but in kind of in a nutshell, I found myself standing on a like a little stage and there were thousands of beings all around me, kind of like a stadium. And, um, I was, I immediately knew who, where I was. I knew what I was doing. I wasn't disoriented. I I knew what had happened. I knew what was going on. And I just started downloading information to these um, beings. And we had a little um, back and forth. I said, I wasn't interested in going back and they're like, well, what if you did this? And I thought, oh yeah. Okay. I'm easily swayed. (laughs) even in the afterlife in the,
0: even in the afterlife yeah you want to go to iraq
1: uh, sure <laughs> hang up the phone oh my god what have i done <laughs> yeah but um yeah so i agreed to go back we talked but we talked communicated i mean it it's all kind of the communication is not even i wouldn't even call it telepathic i would call it kind of conceptual um it's it's instantaneous and it's complete Um, anyway then I I call it blinking because it's the movement is so quick I blinked to another environment which was I I describe it as a a sort of velvety blackness where I really didn't have a form anymore I was kind of an organization of energy um, centered on my awareness and um, I had there were at first there were two other beings there kind of Tuning tuning up my organization of energy, and then I had, I guess, a kind of um, a version of a life review, and then I went into a deep rest state, and and I don't know how long I was in that. I mean, there's no time in that state, and eventually came out, blinked again, um, and. Um, went went to what I call the healing environment where I could see my body in the truck I could see um, all four of us in the truck and I could also perceive that all of that seen as organizations of energy so our bodies were organizations of energy and the truck was an organization of energy and everything was very fluid because you know energy is fluid it doesn't have we perceive things as solid form but actually they're simply they're simply uh organizations of energy even if you break down particles farther and farther and farther what you end up with is just energy Energy. um anyway so i was playing around with different injuries and eventually I set the injuries that I wanted. And then. Um, what do
0: you mean? You set the injuries. Like you had choices. I chose of- my injuries. Oh, you chose mm-hmm. your, cause you're like, this, I'm a hot I mess. I was in charge of it. Yeah. You're like, this body's a hot mess. Let's like, you know, I'm going to have a limp or I'm going to have this chronic. You decided what your injuries were going to be moving forward. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. That would set me up for the things that I wanted to do or how I wanted to experience myself or things of the world and um and then i blinked back to that big gathering and we kind of went talked about or communicated about some some things that i had agreed to do then i blinked again and i was s- standing right next to the truck and i was with about eight other beings and we were all talking about what i had agreed to do but talking about it kind of on a different level If you, if you think about like the way I was talking about things with, with this huge array of thousands was um, kind of like the overview or the management um, perspective of how to do things. And then when I'm standing next to the truck with these other eight or nine beings, we were discussing things more like um, from the ground level, you know, things can look very different from management level. And from if you're the the one pounding the nails, right? <laughs> so this was talking about things from the, from the level of pounding the nails. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then when we were done talking about that, I just, I blinked and I popped, I had, there was an audible pop in my head and I was back in the truck. We were still, the truck was still rolling down the road. My eyes were still closed, but I knew exactly what had happened. And um, yeah, I knew, I knew where I was. I knew what was going on and I I had some memory of where I had been, but I immediately set it aside. I was like, "Why? Well,
0: I- not helpful right now." I can do
1: it there. That. That's not going to help yes. me right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. I got, I got right. injuries. I got to take care of. I going to survive this thing. Right. So let me. So let me stop you and let's go back a bit because I want to just kind of dig in a little bit. Um, first, the stadium. Uh, this is the new. I've never heard of this. This this uh, kind of NDE. Uh, it's similar to a. It sounds like a council of elders, but at an extreme level. Uh, I'm assuming you've done research on NDE, so you might have heard these kind of things. Where there's a, I don't know if you have or have you not heard of the council of elders?
1: Yeah, I have heard of that, and um, I guess uh, I guess I have never, you know, read a definitive. This is what people are talking about when they say council of elders. So yeah, there's no could this it, have been a council of elders? Sure. Yeah, it's it it
0: sounds <laughs> at least from my interpretation, listening to it, it sounds like a council of elders on an extreme, I mean thousands of beings. Did you right. when did you see anyone you recognized at all? Or was it just energy? Uh,
1: I recognized all, I mean, in a sense, I recognized all those beings. Right. Um, but like from your life, was it like a relative? No, these like? weren't no, these weren't like relatives or old friends or they they were beings functioning in a different capacity. They weren't, I I do know that some of them had had lives in bodies, but they weren't in bodies now. Mm -hmm. And um, it felt like maybe their time in bodies, they'd already done that. Maybe they were finished with that or, but still had an interest in this reality. I think that we put very specific boundaries on this reality. We Mm -hmm. say when you're in a body, you're in this reality. When you're not, when you're not in a body, you're not in this reality. But I think that the boundaries are much more diffuse than that. I think you can certainly be out of a body and still be participating in this world interacting with this world um, on, on different levels or in different ways. And I think these beings had some interest in humanity. I'll put it, maybe put it that way. In humanity and in, I would, I would say also in other consciousnesses or other kinds of being that we often overlook or don't consider to be conscious. Animals, plants, rocks. The wind, clouds,
0: the earth in general, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the earth in general as a being. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so it's fascinating to me. Um, So then you, after that you blink and then your life review, there was like a sort of life review. Can you, can you dive in a little bit of what that was like? I'd just love to hear your perspective of what that life review was. Did you feel both sides of the story of, of what you were watching? Like explain exactly what that life review was like.
1: Yeah, mine was different from the some others that I've read. I I I haven't researched NDEs. I don't spend a lot of time listening Do or reading NDEs. But um, what I was essentially doing was the way I describe it. I think in my book is it, kind of a leisurely stroll through my life. I okay. I think that it's certainly um, I certainly could have and maybe did and don't, don't remember this part of it, but um, what I recall of it is um, merging with certain scenes, but not in, the, in a way of judging myself or of, um, of, of becoming aware of when I had hurt people or becoming aware of when I had done something kind for a person. What I was really uh, focusing my attention upon was um, where things had, um, let's see, effects had been a surprise to me.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: So we live in a cause and effect reality right and you set something in motion a lot of times you think that it's gonna do this or do that or lead to this or lead to that and it was very very I was very very interested in the places where they didn't lead to the things that I thought they would lead to and um I I liked that surprise I liked that um that play that creative place where I could learn something about um, myself, others, um, the the nature of reality or the nature of consciousness. Um, I was also um, interested in the places where I had fun. (laughs) And fun, you know, we think, oh, you know, margarita on the beach. But sometimes really hard work is fun. Sometimes there's a real profound satisfaction and um, sense of joy in, in the, uh, not only in the accomplishment of something, but in the doing of something. And I was really um, interested in those parts of my life. Sounds. So far,
0: nothing seems very traumatic at all. uh, As far as the other side (laughs) is concerned, no,
1: there was nothing traumatic on the other side. It was absolutely beautiful, Mm -hmm. wonderful
0: on the other side. Did you have a feeling of love when you were there?
1: Well, the way I talk about that is that that feeling of love is so um, natural. And so pervasive that it's really only noticeable when you don't have it. So when I think about when I return myself to these places, which I can still do, I can return there, and um, and I can put my attention on what you know what what does that mean? What does that feel like? Um, is there love there? It's um, of course it's there. <laughs> it can't not be there. That's the very essence of everything. It's here too. We simply don't acknowledge it, or we don't pay attention to it, or we aren't, we aren't opening ourselves to it. Or, you know, as soon as you believe that we're separate from it, you're gonna have the experience of being separate from it. But what if you said to yourself, wait a minute, this is, this is the very essence of me. Not love as an emotion, but love as a state of being. Love as a state of being is the very essence of everything that exists. Mm. So as soon as you believe that and allow for it, you're going to start to experience it. Even here, you don't have to go somewhere else to experience that.
0: So very much like air uh, here, because if you when you're breathing it, you don't really think too much about it. It's just mm-hmm. there. But the second it's not there, you figure it out pretty quick that mm-hmm. you need it. So is that a good mm-hmm. analogy? Sure. hmm that makes sense. All right. So, so after, after the life review, you blinked back to the
1: stadium uh, area, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you, you know, I went to the um, healing, healing environment. Okay. You know, so, so, It's what been is the... a while since I've written my book and it's been a while since I think about, I don't think about this in, in process or in, um, this happened and this happened and this happened. Right. I think about it as this happened.
0: Like it's, it's a giant thing. So, you tr- yeah, I'm trying in to kind way, of. In a way, you
1: know, <laughs> yeah, in a way I, you kind of have to, you come back into a body and you have to organize it in in linear time.
0: Right. There was no time, I'm assuming. So it's okay. not like, so yeah. this happened that I opened so the door anyway, and this happened that I opened right. the
1: door. And then, yeah. I got <laughs> right. So I'm going to say from the, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say from the deep rest environment, I, went, I blinked to the healing environment, mm. which is where I could see the, it's like, I was had like a 45 degree angle down. I was hovering above the whole desert scene with the blown up truck and us inside inside the truck. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of doing the equivalent of waving a hand and I would set different um, injuries in my body. And then I would see, and in one instant, I would see my whole life as it would happen if I had that injury. So I would wave my hand and I'd make the hole in my head bigger and give myself some brain damage and then see a flash of how the rest of my life would go. I was with two other beings and we thought from that perspective that this was hilarious we just thought this was so funny i mean we would we'd chop off my arm and then watch me my right arm and then watch me try to figure out how to write and do everything the rest of my life with my left hand and oh my god we were laughing so hard it was really really funny because from that perspective it's understood that in essence we're we're playing roles right and uh, and and w- from our perspective, we put everything in the context of one lifetime, birth, growth, maturity, age, death. And and in that context, um, having to do without an arm for 40 years sounds like a long time and could be really difficult. But from that perspective, from the out of body perspective, my context was much, much bigger So that forty years is like it's only forty years. Let's see what happens. Let's do it, you know. Um, In the same way that an actor might say, "Oh my God, yeah, let's play that villain." When will I ever get another chance to play a villain, you know? Or, um, oh yes, let me play that. um, uh, Let me play that person who's in a wheelchair. Let me see what that's like. What that feels like.
0: So. Mm-hmm. It's. it sounds like and i use this analogy all the time it's the video game analogy where you're playing a player and you're like you go through a level which is life and you're mm-hmm. like you know what this time let's do it without the gun that i normally have and let's go down this path that i never go down to see what happens mm-hmm. but you're doing it as like okay let's play this game but i'm not going to have any weapons at all i'm going to have to do everything hand to hand or i'm mm-hmm. going to expect it's a different experience every time but the right. way you're looking at it it sounds fairly hilarious and in the video game hilarious. in the video game i in the video game analogy you I remember playing video games that you could just like do silly stuff to, like
1: let's see what happens if we go through Mm -hmm. this level upside down, or like because you're not really hurting yourself, no, because you are 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 not that. It you're bigger than that.
0: You are the awareness that is watching this this character and
1: participating
0: and and participating through this 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 process as well. But Mm -hmm. it's it's the equivalent of me. Getting upset that Mario uh in right. <laughs> <and> Super Mario <laughs> Brothers is, oh, we, we chopped off a leg. Let's see how he could jump now and be the next level without that leg.
1: Mm-hmm. So that
0: so that's hilarious. That's amazing. What I find interesting about this, because this is the first time I've ever heard this in any of conversations I've had in near death experience. It almost sounds like, and you I'm assuming you've heard of the the soul blueprint, what we, we mm-hmm. come down here to do in a mini way. It sounds like you were creating your 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 blueprint for your life at this point actively, and I've never heard of anyone having that opportunity in, in a near death experience or out of body experience. It's a very unique perspective that you're like, no, let's chop off the arm here. No, that's not going to work. Uh, let's do that. And so what were the injuries you chose, by the way, if you don't want me asking.
1: So I had, um, my right heel was broken and a chunk of sharp was in there. Um, both of the bones in my forearm were shattered and, um, the wrist, some of the wrist bones were broken. All the bones on the right side of my face were broken. I had a skull fracture. It's kind of redundant, but then I had a hole was blown into my skull here, and there was shrapnel in the frontal sinus. There were, there was shrapnel in both eyes. I think I think they took a little bit out of that eye. Um, a lot of damage to my right eye. Um, the retina eventually came detached. it was and it was tattered. They did reattach it. Um, but I don't these two eyes don't line up because this hole created some issues with the muscles and nerves.
0: So, but, so let me ask you this then. What did you hope to learn in this life by the injuries you chose? I don't remember that ah you don't remember that but you and do honestly, remember i do you don't remember care choosing, do you because remember i remember
1: choosing them you do remember choosing them I, cho- I remember choosing them and being satisfied with that like oh yeah this will be great boom <laughs> just set them <laughs> i love this i love the way you look at this You're like this is going to be fantastic let's go <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's do it
0: <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show.
1: Yeah, and so um I think that that knowing that I chose them. I mean, I think I have that knowingness on a deep level. I don't sit and go, "Oh, I can't believe I chose this. Why did I choose this?" Right. You know, a lot of our suffering comes from from resisting what is and you know as soon as we say well why did this happen to me or um why am i experiencing this or um, how do i get out of this or fearing what this might imply um then then we begin to suffer but it's possible to say well here i am how do i best handle this and that doesn't mean you're going to be happy (laughs) Necessarily. It doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be easy. Believe me, it wasn't easy <laughs> recovering. But if you can carry a little bit of sense of humor and if you can remember that no matter what you experience, the value can be found in it, then I think you can give yourself a little bit different experience a little bit less difficult experience
0: and then after the um the that area the healing area you went back again sorry for the, the timeline uh yeah sorry back to the stadium to, to the gathering to the stadium. and it was kind of like a like all right everyone we're all set we're all doing this this is the way mm-hmm. we're going it was basically kind of a wrap-up mm-hmm. before before yeah. you head back down to the game yeah
1: Mm-hmm. Or to set, <laughs> yeah, exactly. or to
0: set, or to set as a, right. as, a as as a new character right. you've set up for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> and then you're down on on stage with these mm-hmm. other two beings. Like, okay, here are the nails, and we're we're pounding the nails here. So yeah, this How- is
1: like eight or nine other beings who I think. I mean, I feel like I work with them a lot, but mm-hmm. um yeah, we were just talking about. Like I was saying, you know, give me some reminders. Don't uh, don't you know? It's not easy being back in a body and remembering what you're doing.
0: <laughs> so just give so, me, throw me a couple bones here, a right. couple a couple cheat codes, if you will, along yeah. the way, so we know what's going.
1: <laughs> right, and then you know they were, um, they were, uh, in in my memory, I can't remember specifics but I remember them kind of describing and explaining certain things again and saying, you know, watch out for this. And here's that. Things in your life. You mean? Yeah. I don't remember the specifics and I guess I don't, I haven't really tried to, I think it, what matters here too, anyway, probably even if I could remember, I wouldn't tell people because it's mine and everybody else has theirs. And I think it's very easy to listen to other people's stories and go, well, I wish I had that. Or, well, I'm doing something more important than that. Or, well, I'm not doing anything as important as that. When none of those things are true. We're all doing our own thing. And everything, we're all doing something valuable to ourselves and to humanity, whether we realize it or not. And there isn't anyone doing something more important. You know, it may look like Carolyn Mace's doing way more than me you know <laughs> she's out there healing people and training people and she's out there every day and that's great that's what she's here to do it doesn't mean that you're here to do that you know we're yeah. all here to do our do different things it's like again if i may use the mario
0: brothers analogy you're looking at luigi as like well luigi's not nearly as important as mario and then look at that look at that mushroom who tried to hurt mario he's obviously not that important <laughs> but he was there for a specific purpose, to give a challenge to Mario to jump over it, like everyone has it the big I mean, I'm using everyone Mario something. Yeah, mm-hmm. everyone has a point to be here. And it might not look like, you know, an exciting scenario, because you look at big movie stars, you look at Mother Teresa, you look at the mm-hmm. Dalai Lama, you look at all these other people doing amazing things. You're like, Oh, but I'm, I'm just a mushroom and <laughs>
1: go, no, you're
0: a mushroom. No, you're a do mushroom. Do that, go that and way. And this, this go around, you're the mushroom. Yeah. And the next no. go around, you might be a Mario. Right. It, it all depends on what you want to do and how you want to evolve in, in this life and experience in this life. And it, it, it's just, I love your sense of humor about the whole thing. I love your your per, your perspective on your, your whole thing because at least at this point of the story, it mm-hmm. seems very freewheeling, like, yeah, yeah, chop off an arm. All, it, all it all sounds fantastic. <laughs> so you're back in your body. Mm-hmm. You're in a hospital. You're going through all this thing. At this point, you still remember parts of this, right? So are you dealing with the, the, the stress and the trauma of what happened to you in a better way? Or did you have that information? That that could help you along this path because I'm st- you still have to play this game, you still right. have to play this character and and this, what you just told me as far as your injuries are concerned, that's not for the faint of heart. So how did you deal with that trauma and did this experience or the memory of that help you?
1: Yeah, I still didn't really remember. I mean, I was they kept me pretty drugged up for a month and then I was busy with other stuff. I didn't really kind of go back into that moment for a long time, but I had a different perspective just because of it so even in the truck when i when i opened my eyes and the truck stopped rolling and i thought well i better you know i better get to it and i kind of did what i could to look you know tried to get a gun out and didn't hear anything um didn't hear any any gunfire or anything so I thought oh I won't mess with that because I couldn't get it out from a guy's legs jammed against it and I made sure no one was bleeding out and then I sat back and waited for the others to come and um help us and looking out the window I, I I couldn't see out of this eye and I thought oh dang it that's my good eye but then I I got really excited and I thought, oh, I wonder if I can see other worlds more clearly, if I can't see out of this eye. And I was really excited, like truly, honestly excited. And that really, um, that's, that kind of experience is possible when we, when we don't fear what might be. Right. You know, there was no fear in that moment. I didn't think, oh, how am I going to drive or how am I going to read or, oh, I'm an artist. How am I going to do art? Um, I didn't I didn't worry about things. I just thought, oh, I've, I haven't i have done this before in this lifetime. I wonder what this will be like. And I was truly excited about it.
0: Was that maybe a residual of where you just come from? I think maybe so. Yeah, a little, a little bit. You were mm-hmm. still like
1: you were still you drank that Kool-Aid and the Kool-Aid
0: had mm-hmm. worn off just yet. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, so I, they, they flew us to, they flew me out to, um, well, to Balad, which is the surgery center in Iraq, and then to longstuhl Germany, and then to Walter Reed Army Medical Facility. So um, I spent then about a month at Walter, in Walter Reed as an inpatient. <clears throat> And a lot of what I remember, I mean, it was very drugged up. So I'm sure there's, I do remember days when the pain was just so bad. Um, I couldn't, even. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't even move. But I also remember a lot of times just finding things very funny, just finding it really hilarious that, um, that I, I couldn't even get out of bed and, um, finding it hilarious that people kept walking in my room and just giving me gifts because it was right before Christmas and lots and lots of really sweet, wonderful people go to, um, Walter Reed and take gifts, I'm going to choke take gifts to people who have been injured. Oh, so sweet. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> so <good>. um, <clears throat> yeah, the, um, I, I say that I never laughed so hard as when I was in Walter Reed. They were just um, really great doctors and um, people who were nurses who were willing to laugh at me about what could have been considered traumatic or really dire, you know? Mm-hmm. So- uh,
0: You were blessed with it that. It sounds
1: nuts, but yeah,
0: I had were- a good time. <laughs> You were blessed with that because there's other experiences mm-hmm. that are not that.
1: No, exactly. You know, if I had been terrified of what my life would be like after I got out, I would have had a very different experience. And um, you know, I was thinking, "Oh, my, I am so lucky. I'm so lucky. I still have. I can see. It. You know, whereas um, it would be very easy to just concentrate on." on the eye I couldn't see out of.
0: But isn't that really interesting? And this is a, a really great learning uh, moment for people listening is that we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. What happened to you is what it is. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it doesn't have a good or bad energy. Right. It's perspective, right? It is the energy of what you focus on. So if you mm-hmm. want, I love your ideas. Like you could either focus like, Oh man, I could still see, or, Oh my mm-hmm. God, I can't see out of the other eye. Mm-hmm. Those two experiences are completely different. Yes. And how you decide, and it's your choice, mm-hmm. how you decide to move forward with what is Yes. It, it, it's, you can't, and again, this is what you were saying with suffering. You mm-hmm. suffer because you're trying to control or trying to avoid what it, what right. has happened what it is, it is. Yeah. what is period, you know, a mm-hmm. tree falls in a forest on your leg. <laughs> it's not, there's nothing negative or, or, or positive about that. It just your happened. Your perspective is you'd be like, mm-hmm. damn, i like that leg. Yeah. How is, how am I going to get out of this situation? Right. But the, the incident itself has no charge to it. If you will, it's it just, is it's part of the simulation charge to it's part of the simulation if you will part of the game that we're in Mm -hmm. things happen the way they're supposed to happen in in many ways i find this so fast i mean your story is so so wonderful and fascinating um i have to ask you now so you you get out you get out you 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 rehabilitate you're back in the world at what point do you decide to go public with this story i'm assuming you at a certain point, decided yeah. to like, yeah, the, this coming out of the closet, the near death right. closet is, is <laughs> what happened? When did you decide to do this, and how were you received by just people around you, your family, your friends, uh, colleagues? Yeah,
1: so, um, first I decided to write it all down for myself. Just thought, oh, I just want to, I just want to record for myself what happened, and so I wrote it, and um. Then I thought, well, it turned out better than I thought. So maybe I'll send it out to some agents and publishers. And I was really nervous about that um, because yeah, I thought, yeah, you know, what are people gonna think? Um, And it took about 10 months before I got a, a positive response from Ozark Publishing, and, um, and I thought, okay, um, this will be scary, <laughs> but I have to go ahead with it, might as well just go ahead with it, um, and what I found is that most people, people who are interested, friends and family who are interested in this kind of thing, were interested in the book. And people who have no interest in this kind of thing simply ignored it and pretended it didn't exist. There was one friend. I think I lost one friend over it. That's okay. That's it. So it was way less scary than I thought it was going to be. You know, here's my imagination creating the fear, creating the suffering when the reality was like, this is fine. Not a problem at all.
0: Now you, you've mentioned in other interviews, uh, and I love, I'd love to hear your, if you could tell the audience this, we've kind of touched upon this energy and how energy is organized. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how energy is organized from your perspective? Um,
1: yeah, I guess, um, energy is energy is neutral until we think, until we bring our thoughts and our imagination to it. And when we do that, it begins to take on form. And so the picture that I'm being given right now is if you uh, imagine somebody, um, somebody originally thinks of this reality, And starts to imagine it and and imagines it enough to kind of build a lot of uh, build a lot of the structure of this reality it's still very fluid it still isn't as solid as we might think of it now Um, but then they show it to somebody else and that person brings their attention to it and now there's now there's two people really um, shaping this reality with their thoughts, and pretty soon there's ten people, and then a hundred people, and thousands of people, and and everybody is, is agreeing to certain things. They're agreeing that this is a cause and effect reality. They're agreeing to the shape of the earth. They're agreeing that it's a creative reality, so it's always shifting and changing a little bit, and that. Um, things are moving in this way or that way, and um, populating it um, with things. And and the more attention is placed, uh, uh, um, communal attention is placed on this on this thought, the more the more stable that organization of energy becomes. If that makes sense.
0: Right. So everyone says that your wall behind you or the shelf behind you is, we've all agreed that that's a shelf.
1: We've all agreed that it's a shelf and that you can't put your hand through it. You can set things on top of it and it's not going to, they're not going to, the books aren't going to fall right through it. And the wall is going to block out the wind. We've all agreed to that. Um, and there's ways to re see the world. Mm-hmm. There, it's possible to shift your perspective, shift your awareness to another, say another frequency um, or um, yeah, to another frequency or um, up an octave or two and to perceive this reality in a very different way to kind of see the organization that you know, you can look at a lamp, and you can see the, the lamp as we've been taught to see it, or you can look at the lamp and see it as an organization of energy, and understand that the metal. You can you can know that know the metal in its other states, at the same time that you know the metal in this state, and you can know the sort of the structure without the metal, with or without the metal. I don't know how to explain that no
0: it makes no you've <laughs> actually made a lot of sense at least to me you're making a lot of sense that because uh, you know from what i've studied uh in yogic uh philosophies and what yogis have been able to do is you know when they get to a certain level they are able to go to that next level octave and mm-hmm. they perceive things like you know being at two places at the same time maybe mm-hmm. able will yeah. pass through walls do things mm-hmm. that people would look at like You're insane, but these are spiritual masters that we're talking about in ancient texts. Uh, Mm -hmm. Again and again, these kind of stories pop up and it starts to make sense. And this is one of my favorite topics is when science and spirituality combine, which is now quantum physics and and Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff and starts getting really exciting um, with simulation theory and things like that. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, so we are in the matrix Uh, in many ways. And you're looking above what the construct is. Which is what that main character is able to do. He's looks over and he goes, Oh, I can see the code behind mm-hmm. what is happening. So he could start manipulating the environment. So we're talking, we're talking about that, but only you know, beings or or souls at a higher level are able to do those things throughout history at least. Um, well, I think
1: that there are examples of people who do some of those things um without having um the whole um profound spiritual awareness i think there are oh, um, athletes
0: athletes could do things i've seen like if they're in the flow yeah. I've, I've heard of those things like that you yeah
1: mean. yeah um and i think that you know there's lots of people who have had experiences with family members who have crossed over appearing before them or you know those are the same kinds of things right. <clears throat> i think that um that we all ha- or most people have experiences of, of one kind or another. I think that a lot of times the Western world, the Western culture concentrates on those tricks, you know, learning to be psychic or learning to move something with your mind or, um, things like that. And, and there, there's value to that. I think that the yoga tradition, uh, is much more focused on, um, on the wisdom.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now
1: back to the show. And shifting the very base perspective and then those tricks just start to happen. What I call tricks, <laughs> right? <laughs> the things just start to happen that way. Yeah. Um, so you can come at it from different angles. Um, but I don't think it's you know I don't think those things are unattainable. I think that agreed we have experiences of them already.
0: Yeah, it's it's just different different levels of <clears> the, <throat> the code being shown, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, just different perspectives of it. Um, w- did you have any after effects? Of the near-death experience like did you come back with different awarenesses different um for lack of a better word abilities of things that you didn't have prior
1: to that like i don't know anything um well different awarenesses as far as um not really getting depressed anymore (laughs) and you know having a sense of humor about being all banged up um I, I had done a few psychic readings for friends before this happened. Um, but afterward I had a lot more confidence in those readings and the information seemed a lot clearer. So, um, so that was a change and I do do readings now mm -hmm. for people professionally. So that, that was a change. I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, otherwise, I think, I think the, that psychic stuff, a lot of people seem to think that that's more important or more notable, or maybe it's just more fun to think about than the day-to-day shift in perspective. But I think that the day-to-day shift in perspective, it's, it's much more important and much more, um, influential in my life, (laughs) you know, just having that perspective of this is, so I'll deal with this as it is instead of going, why, 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 why I just say it is. And probably the way to find out why is to walk through it so how do i best handle this so i asked myself different questions than i did before my experience and i think um, that has made the biggest difference to me and maybe to the people around me maybe i'm a lot easier to be around who knows you're right
0: because you're a little you're a little easy easy you're easy going uh, yeah I'm,
1: I'm not really <laughs> no I'm but i'm not very easy easy to be around honestly but it may, I think it may be a little easier.
0: <laughs> you were at a 10, you're now at a seven. That's right. So, you're not at a two, but you're at a seven. So, right. that's, so it took the edge off, if you will. It took that's the edge. Right. <laughs> no, and I think what you're saying is so important because people do get caught up in the, either psychic phenomenons or mediums or channels or other things that people might bring back from a near-death experience. But that perspective change is massive because that's every second of every day of your life is affected by it where these other either gifts or abilities, they come and go. And they're not every moment, you're not thinking about those things every moment, every day. And if we can shift our perspective, life becomes more enjoyable uh, or at least easier to deal with. And you don't sweat the small stuff as much. I'd imagine, you know, we're the best
1: reality show for the other side ever like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm yeah i'm sure we amuse them to no end i mean we
0: are the netflix we're netflix for the other side there's no question what's going on now oh okay she just got oh this is gonna be a good story she got blown up in this thing in the iraq let's see where this goes this (laughs) is gonna be fantastic this will be
1: a good one
0: this will be a good one (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly, I think that that shift in my day-to-day perspective is what allows me to do better readings. Mm -hmm. I think that when we are in fear and resistance, we're in our own way. And if we can release that fear and let go of that resistance and trust that uh, a smarter part of us, a higher part of us, is is gonna take care of us, then um, it really frees up a lot of energy to do other things that are more fun, and more creative or, yeah.
0: Agreed 110%. Um, and I'm gonna ask you a few questions to ask all my guests. What is your definition of living a good life?
1: Uh, I think for me, it's just living an honest life. Be honest with yourself. And when you're honest with yourself, you're, you're honest with everything around you. I think there's real integrity in that. And, um, if, if we were all doing this, we'd be in a pretty different place, I think.
0: Agreed. How do you define God?
1: God is everything, everything that exists.
0: And what is the ultimate purpose of life?
1: I think the ultimate purpose of life is to remember who and what we really are. I think we've done this experiment of what, what if we forget that we are all one? What if we forget that we are all God? What if we separate ourselves? What will our experience be? And I think we've taken that about as far as it can go without destroying ourselves and, and we're walking ourselves home now. I think we're we're remembering and invited to remember that there is no separateness, that we we're all one, we're all God, we're all related. we all we can all take care of each other.
0: And where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing?
1: Uh, I have a website n Sudman n s u d m a n dot com and um, that has my art and I think it has still has a link to the book and I have a blog site traceofelements.com where I post links to all the interviews I've done so your link will go up on there too and I have a Facebook author page Natalie Sudman so um, that's find all those things and hope to see you around
0: and do you have any parting messages for our audience?
1: Be Good to yourself.
0: Natalie, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure and so much fun talking to you. I've never thought about near death as, as so much fun and hilarious. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate you bringing humor uh, to, to this subject matter and hopefully some profound insights as well. So I appreciate you and what you're doing for the world. So thank you, my dear.
1: Thanks, Alex. Thanks for doing your work too. <laughs>
0: I want to thank Natalie so much for coming on the show and sharing her story with all of us. Thank you so much, Natalie. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 181. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey.